Have you ever wondered what it's like to lead a super creative life? Or maybe is it your dream down the road in the future to create your own advertising agency or even to work with like biggest brands around being able to travel and lead a glamorous life? Well, today we're actually talking to Kat and Hannah, who are part of Cult London. Kat is actually the co-founder, and Hannah is the senior art director. So we're going to hear two perspectives, and we're going to have a lovely conversation. If you've ever felt alone, misunderstood, or like your story didn't matter, you've come to the right place. Welcome to Pretty Sure, the podcast where we explore the fun in life's ups and downs. Join me, your host, in a mix of guests from friends to thought leaders, artists, entrepreneurs, and experts for some raw, unfiltered, and frankly, hilarious conversations. We'll chat about our struggles as millennials, the joys and pains of being single or in a relationship, life and biz lessons, and some inspiring takeaways too, because remember, no topic is ever off the table for us. Hi, I'm Sabrina, your new best friend, and every week you can expect kindness, support, and some tough love, because you'll be damn sure I'm going to be calling you out on your shit when you need it most. Pretty sure we're in for a wild ride, so saddle up and let's go! Welcome back, everybody, to Pretty Sure Podcast. Today is a really exciting topic because... As you might know, I used to work in advertising, and I've mentioned it many times over. It was always my dream to run a creative agency, maybe in fashion, and become one of those kind of Miranda Priestly, but in the communication advertising world. Obviously, that didn't happen. I decided podcasting was my new thing, and then who knows? Maybe I end up creating a podcasting agency. You never know. But anyway, I have been following Cult London for a while. They always come up with really creative content, really great stuff, and they work with really cool brands. It wasn't until recently that they launched their F-Gen mentoring program, and I reached out and I said, you know what? I feel like I'm totally up for doing that. How do I sign up? I met these lovely ladies, and I decided, you know what? They have to be on the podcast. They have to come and tell their story, and so they're here today. So welcome, Kat. Welcome, Hannah. Let's get started and introduce yourselves. Tell us a little bit about your story. Who wants to go first? Hello, Sabrina. Uh, it's so nice to speak with you properly and um, for us to do this. And I love that in your intro, you talked about leading glamorous life because this ain't no glamorous life. I can assure mm-hmm. you right now, whilst all of us are working from our respective homes, there's no traveling and the glamour of the job has definitely taken down a few notches. So I'm, I'm the founder of Cult and I have a business partner, Bridie. We always joke and, and say like we're two halves of one brain and the creative side, and she's the strategy side, meaning that together we form one like superhuman. It's kind of like Transformers, uh, but with people. We started the business, gosh, we just celebrated our eighth birthday, so eight years ago, with the intent of really like approaching work and relationships with clients in a completely different way um, to the experiences we'd had so far. And uh, fast forward to right now, we are, you know, we're still here. We are working with some of the biggest fashion and beauty brands globally. We have real, uh, a real sort of fortune to have great relationships with them. And so whilst we've all faced a, a very unexpected year, we, you know, we've, we've adapted and we've navigated the past six plus months to, to where we are now. And Hannah joined the agency about 18 months ago. And Hannah, I'll let her speak for herself. But she and I have really developed a, a very close relationship particularly actually during the pandemic we have you know whilst we have been working remotely we've been able to kind of like deepen our working relationship and our friendship 
so it's been it's been really awesome uh for for us so it's nice to be doing this together with her okay hannah come on your story (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, thank you for letting us live our podcast dreams. We're both very excited about that. Yeah, so I'm Hannah and I'm a senior art director at Cult London. Throughout my career, I've kind of worked on everything from holidays to hot wings to tree cult uh, fashion and beauty brands, which has been sort of a dream for me to do at Cult. And I head up the mentoring program, which is called Features Generation, um, as you mentioned before. Amazing. Okay, I'd love to start with this question. First of all, Kat, how did you actually meet your co-founder? Well, we we actually worked together. Bridie was already working at an agency and I, I worked, I just started in the industry, actually. I formerly worked in politics and my background is law and politics, so completely not creative or at least very different kind of uh, lens on, on the world relatively early on in my agency career and she and I came together in in the workplace that we were at and she was head of social I was head of digital we actually started working together on Valentine's Day which I always remind her of every year (laughs) yes (laughs) it's like every great relationship we met let's say like we clicked immediately but we definitely were like a good sparring partners, you know, like we actually challenged each other very much mm. and like push each other further. And I mentioned earlier, you know, two halves of a brain, we definitely found like a synergy and we're on the same wavelength. So we met in, in a working environment and worked together for probably about 12 months. And at that point, it's a long story, so I won't go into it unless you want me to. We were in Disney World. I'm just going to say that we were in Disney World. And I turned to her and I said, we could do this ourselves. And she was like, do you think there might have been wine involved six months later we started the business and so it was really somewhat you know spontaneous very foolish full ridden with mistakes and errors but it was it was also like a like proper ride of your lifetime uh you know it's been a really great experience to be doing that together with her but also to to have had the opportunities that we have had and and you know driven each other forward so so yes that is how we met (laughs) <laughs> That's a crazy story, but I think usually most great things start off with a crazy story. Okay. It Hannah. has to. It has to start with a crazy story. <laughs> right? If not, then what are you going to tell people when they say, how did you start this? You're just going to say like, oh, one day I woke up and I started it. Like, no, it has to be something interesting at least. Hannah, how did you actually end up at Cult? So I was very fortunate to be kind of poached by Cult, which was the dream because I'd wanted to work there for a really long time and, and break into fashion and beauty advertising as a as an art direction craft specifically, which you wouldn't believe how hard that actually is to do. Like breaking into the fashion industry is is a really difficult thing. And I actually found the same thing um in advertising as well, even though I'd like got some pretty established um clients like under my belt, it was difficult to get into those agencies like Colt that focus specifically on these sectors but the great thing about Colt is we are like a melting pot of amazing different people who bring different things to the table which is why I've like been swooning over it for so long um and we get to work with sort of the best the best talent in the industry we get to work with sort of photographers um that we love which is the best thing about it so I fortunately came to Colt because I was persistent after having a few conversations with the creative director. I love that. And honestly, I can totally relate with what you're saying about how it's super hard to get into advertising and fashion because that is literally my background, both of those industries, and they are hell to get into. Once you're in, I feel like it turns a bit easier, but not as much as Emily in Paris like we were just talking about, but (laughs) still, it does get easier. So 
you've both been at this for a while now. How was it at the beginning, first of all, for you, Kat, opening up, starting, like, you know, starting cult? What struggles did you have? Did you have any mental blocks when you were like, oh my God, what am I thinking? Create an agency by myself with, Han- with your co-founder. I wish I could remember every single detail because it's like going back into the archives of my brain. Um, but what I'll say is this, is that I suffer from the opposite of the, the experiences that a lot of people have around imposter sy- syndrome. So, you know, I've never had that sense that I couldn't achieve something. And I don't know specifically where that drive comes from, but I've never really struggled with thinking that I couldn't do something. I've always thought I could. And in fact, I'm overly ambitious, not because, you know, like I'm kind of cutthroat and driven. I'm just kind of a little bit like a puppy dog. He's like, yeah, let's try it. Let's do it. And so those inhibitions that normally hold you back uh, from, from doing something um, haven't haven't really been hurdles for me. So I've never really sort of had that crisis of confidence. So I, I'd say that, you know, the early days, like what, like really what triggered us as doing it was is, was frustration of, of where we were. So Bridie and I were frustrated with being held back um, with the leadership that we worked for. And so wanted to try it ourselves. Um, but but really from a mistakes point of view is, is that we tried and tested a lot of things and got made a lot of mistakes, got a lot of things wrong. And that's from everything, you know, we weren't trained to run a business. I don't have an MBA. I'd had no idea, um, you know, and I had to, quite frankly, ask people or Google a lot. And I always tell like this, this little anecdote about, you know, the first time I had to send out an invoice, I was like, what's an invoice? I don't, uh. Okay, so I was like Googling uh, invoice template and downloaded a template, uh, changed the name on it to our bank details and send that off. And I was like, oh no, I didn't add that, which is like a tax. Oh, okay, like take it back. You know, so we just had to like through trial and error, make a lot of mistakes. And as time went on, when people talk about, you know, making mistakes and getting like punched down and getting back up again, we just we just learned to get back up very quickly. Um, meaning that those mistakes, you very quickly realize that that's just part of the learning curve, you know, and and, and that is this part of progress. So it, it was, um, you know, I can't think of specific things that were mental blocks. Um, but I, I do I do think that that sort of like dogged determinedness and also, you know, Bridie and I are both kind of cut from the same cloth when it comes to working really hard um, and, and, and not being shy to do any single thing in the business. So that means that we're, we are able to take the reins on any single aspect pretty well. That sometimes like from, from a team point of view can be bit infuriating um and so we've learned over the years to kind of like step away and and bow to those who are better than us and, and we definitely believe in hiring people who are better than us which is why hannah um is here because she's definitely better than me but we kind of you know a big part of it is like we help each other like creating an environment where it's okay to make mistakes can only be done when you make mistakes and you're honest about it so that has been like fundamental i i think to um, having like a tr- transparent environment where you when you can learn um, and we're still learning you know like I say it's eight years but it's just eight years of making mistakes and learning from it um, there'll be eight more I'm sure so uh, so yeah it's definitely still work in progress <laughs> oh my god I love that honestly I wish I would have lived in London at the time when I was working in advertising because working for you just sounds amazing like that would have changed oh, my complete just- outlook Oh, well, Sabrina, I, when you were saying in your intro that, you know, you have this dream to do this, you have to do this. Like, there's no reason why you should be held back at all. So I'm excited for this podcast agency that you've just set up on this podcast right now. Um, that's definitely a thing. Uh, 
uh, and Hannah and I are the first two employees. So welcome to this new business. <laughs> I feel like I just shot myself in the foot, but now I have to, you know, it's out there in the world. You guys know about it. And then when this episode comes out, people are going to know about it. So look for it. 2022, yes, maybe yes, 2021. I don't know. Yeah, no, 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 no. This is happening right now. This is being created as we speak. It's launching. This is the launch. This is the genesis of it. I love that. I love that. I'm pumped. You know, I'll have you guys come back later and I'll be like, okay, now these are my agency on, you know, on contract and they're going to yeah. help me. And now I want to hear from them. Love this. Okay. Hannah, how exactly. has the road you know, been? It's, it's yeah, exactly. Okay. So Hannah, how has the road been to becoming a senior art director? Because like you mentioned, hasn't been easy. You know, you've had things that you have to overcome. How has that been for you? Yeah, well, it was a lot. Um, it was not what I expected. I, w- I will say that getting into into advertising, it was I was inspired by, you know, looking at all the ads in Vogue and and talking to people about what advertising was. I probably watched Mad Men um, probably too many times and thought that's how it was going to be. Um, and um, when I was at university, I think that's when it kind of the struggle started because I didn't really want to go to university I was told by somebody who worked in the industry that I happened to meet sort of at sort of some friend family function that I went to and they told me that I had to go to advertising advertising school or portfolio school to get into advertising which I wholeheartedly do not believe like whatsoever that that is the way in so yeah reluctantly went to university but I still lived at home like with my parents whilst I was there because I, at the time, I, my parents didn't go to university, like no one else in my family had gone to university. So I didn't think that that was sort of a route for me to go down. So I guess I didn't feel comfortable sort of even thinking about like what the possibilities were of, of universities. So I wanted to stay sort of at the one that was near my family and and keep my part-time job so that I could afford to go, you know, take the the minimum loan for it because I think in the UK the loan had jumped up by about six thousand pounds um that year that I went there. So it just felt very inaccessible even to start getting in into advertising. And then once once you're on your course and then you learn all about these things, it's very different university to how the industry actually is. So when you start doing internships and going into the industry it's really difficult to navigate because what you've been taught at university isn't necessarily what happens in an advertising agency, which in London is the one that I was going to. Um, So yeah, I found that a struggle. And also looking around a room and seeing mostly like white men, like in advertising agencies was really, it really took me back, I think. And at the time I worked with a copywriter as sort of a traditional advertising creative team and we kind of navigated it all together which I would definitely encourage because sharing that anxiety with someone at such an early stage of career progression was one really really fun and two like you have you know your best pal there with you to kind of navigate all of these weird things that you you would never know like in a workplace whether that was normal behavior or whether that was was weird and then I think sort of the biggest struggle that I overcame was um, maybe just before I started working at Colt, I had like a massive burnout, which I didn't even recognize was burnout. But I think so many people 
are worried about like never admitting that they're burnt out or never admitting that they need a day off and I still struggle to say to Cap like look I need I need a, a couple of days off like just need to do it just need to get it done just need to clear my head and get a perspective on things because I think when you're so passionate about your job and like love your clients like love the work that you're doing every day it's so difficult to switch off so I think that is one of the biggest struggles that I've had to overcome which I'm still overcoming now. Work in progress. I love that. Okay, here's a fun question. Half for you, Kat, half for you, Hannah. So how did you come up with the name cult and what does it mean for you? First Kat and then Hannah, what does cult mean for you? So cult came from, well, I'll start with like a good story and then I'll start with the real story. So I think cult uh, if, if you think about like what that word means, it tends to have a lot of negative associations. You know, you've got a cult where it can end in you drinking the Kool-Aid, you're signing up to something that doesn't feel so good. And it's definitely a bit subversive, you know, like stepping away from the norm. But I think cult in the kind of like progressive or looking forward sense is very much about like cult behavior. And, you know, we work a lot with online communities, digital behaviors, and actually coming together to like work on something, whether it be in the fashion industry or in beauty or in the sectors that we work with, it definitely is part of like a herd mentality. So I think cult in that sense is the way in which it really manifests in the agency. And like the reality of it it, is like the agency used to be called something else we started it and we were sued and so we had to change the name and so so two years in we had to change the name of the business meaning that I had to do a big audit of copyrights and so like there were lots of different names that were in the mix but cult I came back to again and again and again I should also say that one of the things that Bridie and I will always continue to this day to be really important is that this should feel like it somewhat of an environment where anyone can succeed and, you know, we wanted cult, particularly in the early days, to be somewhat faceless because we had so much judgment around us being two female leaders that we would go into rooms and kind of like get judgment passed on us. And we found it definitely in a kind of like somewhat toxic environment to thrive in. And therefore having this facade of something that was a little bit faceless and you didn't know what it was, we kind of celebrated that and liked that because it gave us, I suppose, a sense of security and um, armor in in an industry that is otherwise, uh, you know, it, it it doesn't like it doesn't really foster an environment for successful women. So that was definitely part of the decision making is that we wanted something that felt strong. So I've got lots of deep reasons as why it's cold, but like the trigger for it was we were getting sued. Sued. Uh, that's one of the many learning experiences of running a business. You think it's all creative and beautiful, luxurious lifestyle, but it's definitely, you know, there's some there's some curveballs in there. Um, the reason behind it was that, but I think what came out the other side is a brand. And the brand is influenced by so many different aspects of the, the sectors that we work with. So even Cult's logo is very reminiscent of something that you could see in fashion or in, in beauty. And that that was very deliberate. You know, I think for an agency, it kind of should be a relatively neutral zone because you're working with clients and working with sectors. So you kind of need to adapt to that. So, so yeah, lots of reasons behind it. But hopefully that's come across as pretty, pretty clear. <laughs> Yeah, I love that story. Oh my God. Why did you start it? Why did you change the name? I got sued. Okay, that's perfect. (laughs) Hannah, what does it mean for you? Like, what does cult mean for you? 
I mean, when, before I started working at Cult, it was like completely aspirational that I wanted to work there. I'd always like talk to my friend about working at, at Cult. Just, I think because it does feel like it's really fashion, it's really chic. If you look at our clients, they're like the clients that like, if you're interested in fashion and beauty and skincare, like, and wellness, that that is what you want to work on, like completely. So yeah, that's kind of what it meant to me before I started. And now that I'm there, as Kat said, like, her and Bridie want to foster this environment where we feel like we can all succeed. And that's definitely something that I feel success is what represents cult like we all work really really hard together as a team and and from having come from like a a really large agency where you could walk past somebody or be in the bathroom washing your hands and not know the person standing next to you to being in this environment where we all know each other we all talk to each other even sort of our colleagues who are in the US like we talk to each other we brainstorm we collaborate we work on things like cross departmentally like all the time so that's how we get our successes from working together and sort of that group of people all bringing something different just really does drive us to success and even if we don't you know get the response we want from the client or we don't win that pitch it's always feels successful because we've got to a place that we're always really proud of as a collective and I think that's the most refreshing thing for me, and it's also what makes my friends really jealous about um, working at Colt is like my pub stories, uh, my pub and pitch stories, I guess, versus their pub and pitch stories. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just definitely is a is a place for, for success, which, as Kat was saying, like in this industry, as like a female in this industry who I do feel like if I was at a different agency, I maybe wouldn't have succeeded as quickly because it I felt like a lot of times in my career wasn't taken as seriously because I look quite young and I'm a woman and the girl that I used to work with, she also looked quite young as well. So we would always be in this like constant juggling act of being called the girls or, you know, like not being taken 100% seriously in meetings, which not saying that you can only get that from a female led business, but it's nice to have that contrast of respect that I know a lot of women in the industry don't feel on a on a day-to-day basis and it's nice to feel sort of empowered every day and that's how I started Futures Generation because I said to Kat I want to do this like and Kat said okay well we, let's do this mentoring let's bring it to life and and do it and she's really sort of empowered that throughout throughout the agency and everybody at Cult is a mentor as well so it just really empowers everybody to get another dimension to their career which is is super exciting. I love that. And it's great that you touched up on my next two questions. So I'm going to segue <laughs> into the aspect of being business, being women in business. So I love that you touched on that part. What has been the hardest part for you in terms of running in an agency, working in the advertising world? Kat, how has it been for you? And Hannah, how has it been for you? Like, what's the hardest thing you've had to endure, let's say? You know, I actually find that question really hard to answer because we are, the three of us on this call, already much more privileged than so many women in this industry or trying to get into this industry. And that is for loads of different reasons. It might be through educational, economic background or racial background or, or your race, sorry, or your experience or whoever has given you that first leg up. So whilst I think, yes, there have things been hard and like the judgment of being a woman and being referred to as girls or, you know, essentially being constantly demeaned for the first five years of running a business is the reality of being a woman in any any sector. 
And the advertising industry is unfortunately no exception. The only difference is, is that we talk about it all the time. And we talk about it all the time because we want to make a difference. So whilst that um, it's like comes across as, as a negative, I actually think that we are doing a huge amount as women representing to lay the pathway for others to come behind us, just like any minority. But also it's 2020 and we still have conversations about equal pay in the UK and in the US. So we, we still have mountains to move. And I, and I say that very much in, in the kind of context of the current climate where we should be talking about this even more so. So, yes, it's been hard, but you know what? It's a driver and it means that we are able to be conscious of that. And thus, when Hannah says the things that she's been saying in her previous question, I find that very fulfilling because she's had experiences that are bad within agency world and she's had experiences that are good. And if we can give her those good experiences where she feels valued, regardless of all of those judgments that have been passed on her previously, um, I would say that that's very satisfying and and kind of like, you know, we are also British, so we're also a little bit fuck the system. So I'm sorry for swearing on your podcast. You complete that <laughs> out. Perfectly allowed. But, it, you know, like, it, but it is also, you know, that is a massive driver for us. I think, I think both for for Bridie and I, and for Hannah, you know, like th- this is not a hierarchical thing. This is like our, our own individual experiences as we're going through this. So there have been hard times. Like if I throw mind my mind back to like the very early days, I remember we lost pictures because we were women. I remember when I was pregnant, and this is one of my worst stories. When I was pregnant, I was probably about nine months pregnant, still working very, very hard. And female clients said, well, who's going to do the work? Because I was pregnant. So, you know, even sometimes we're not supporting one another when working together. So I think my experiences are not unique and they're certainly not the worst but they are certainly inform the way in which we try very hard to change so that it's easier for those around us. I hope that answers that question a little bit. Yeah, it does. And I love everything that you touched upon because it is so true. I mean, like you said, our experiences are unique, but they're also not unique in the sense that there are so many other people that have gone through it, not only in advertising, but there's also in fashion, you know, there's also writers, there's also in movies, like in every single industry, it's something that's happening. So I love that you touched up on that. What about you, Hannah? I know you mentioned a little bit about being called like the girls in your old job, but is like, what's been the hardest part for you? I think it's I don't have a specific thing to be honest because I think like Kat it's all of these little things that you 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 get sort of in your day-to-day just like drive as a driver for not only like myself to also like fuck the system but other people if I ever have anything where like even just in day-to-day life if like somebody like puts their hand up to you like when you're speaking which is like the worst thing to be I always just imagine how that would feel for somebody else and how, like, for example, if one of our mentees was getting that in in the job that they would go into after having this mentoring experience from us, how, like, how would they respond? Like, this is a lot of things that puts people off from, like, office jobs in general, I would say, or work, jobs in the creative industry, because one, they're not very known about, like, in school, like, you don't, I never knew about advertising at school on a school level or anything until I went to university and I think the creative industry the same I didn't realize all of the jobs that you could go into like even just working in an office like looking around the train of all the people that I was commuting with every day and I think because these behavior because we don't know about these industries at school all of these behaviors 
aren't being changed like as quickly as they can be changed so I mean that's a different rant I feel like I'm going off on but I think it's just I just always think if I ever have like negative behavior towards me or I I look back and think about sort of some negative behavior that I received I always just sort of try and use it as a learning like use it as a way to help somebody else in those situations like I feel quite lucky that I've had these situations which have made me feel really really unhappy at the time but now like if somebody came to me and they'd had a similar situation I could then give them you know the best advice because at the time it's all consuming like when you have these really horrible or like demeaning things happen to you and you think it's normal behavior and that you've done something wrong and then when you look back at it you think actually that's not normal behavior and that's not how people should be acting like in a workplace but because like nobody knows that or because you're just starting in your career or or you're a few years in, you've never experienced before, it's all consuming. And it makes you feel extremely, like worthless, in a, in a way, like I know some of those experiences made me feel worthless. And from speaking to other sort of people in the industry and friends, like it's the same thing. And, and I'm actually glad that I've had these experiences so I can help other people. That is so empowering. And I love what you're mentioning in that it is so true. And I feel like it's something important to remember too, you know, like things happen to you for a reason. Maybe it's to help someone out. Maybe it's so that it never happens to you again, or you know what to do to stop it. So a hundred percent agree with what both of you are saying. Now let's bring it back to what you were talking about FGen. So you already told us why you created it. So tell us a little bit about what it is for people that have no clue what it is. I'm going to take the limelight from you. This is definitely your thing. So go for it. Well, it's a whole agency thing. That's how it started. Futures Generation. So it's born out of our futures arm that we have at Colt, which is all about future facing, all about research, all about looking into the future of the industry so that we can ultimately, as an agency, make our work better, sort of future proofing, I guess, for our clients, but also a way to sort of deep dive into the strategy of the industry. And we thought, as we were sort of moving into lockdown and moving away from physical internships and physical book crits and um, physical meetings when down the pub with people, it would be a really good opportunity to create a mentoring program and, and one that didn't rely on you having to be in London in the city, one that didn't um, rely on you knowing anybody in the industry, physically just being interested in advertising, whoever you are, whatever age you are, whether you're coming in to the industry from graduating, whether you're returning to work, whether you're retired and you want to experience advertising for the first time, any anyone who, who just wants their first foot in the door, that's why we wanted to create Futures Generation. It's such an unlevel playing field in advertising as it is I feel like there's not especially in the UK there's not very much exposure to what advertising is at sort of a GCSE or A level but like college and secondary school in the UK there isn't very much exposure on any creative jobs like I remember doing my art qualification and I only thought that I could be an artist like from doing that I never was exposed to any anything else beyond that and I just want to make sure that everybody has the opportunity to know what it is because I think if I knew what uh, being an art director was I definitely wouldn't have gone to university because there was really, I loved going to university, but there was really no need to go for it because you learn so much on the job. And I reckon if I had somebody that would have offered their time to to teach me like a little bit about how to concept a good idea, we I could have like bypassed those three years, which people at Colt have, have done. We have people that didn't go to university 
at Colt, which is exciting. And they're like the most talented people in advertising that I know. So it's, yeah, it's just, I just want everybody to have access to it because it is like the dream job, like working in advertising. I think it, I want everyone to experience it. That's beautiful. And again, I do agree with you. Same for me. Like, you know, back when I had to choose something to uh, study, I was always like, but I don't really love anything. The only thing that I can study is like lawyer or doctor or something like politics. I don't even know if I like that. Randomly, I ended up, you know, fashion degree, learning how to use Photoshop and InDesign. And I was like, where was this like six years ago? I would have loved to study this. Like, what the hell? <laughs> so 100% agree with you. Yeah. And I think it's amazing what you guys are doing. Oh, thank you. It's so it's so great to talk about it. We, we had another meeting about it today. And it was just so amazing to sort of relive our first cohort. because we've just finished the first one moving on to the second one. And we've had mentees from Japan and Uganda all around Europe from the US, like from the UK, from like all the way down south of the UK, to all the way up north, which northerners in the UK like notoriously find it difficult to come into London because you have to move all the way to London to get into advertising. It's taught at uni, so which is crazy. And we have somebody on placement, like to be honest, thanks to lockdown from up north who would have never come into London and got a placement if we were working all in the office together. So she's doing a virtual placement, which I think is is really, really exciting. And it's it's just great that we can give sort of all of these opportunities and advice to people um, all around the world. I love that. Okay, segueing a bit into work like that work-life balance. What are you guys' biggest tips and what have you learned along the way? Because obviously your careers are different and span different years. So Kat, what have you learned along the way about how to manage work-life balance? My first response, Sabrina, is that I actually have a real issue with the term work-life balance. And I always say this to the team and I think they probably think I'm like a little bit cuckoo, but it's mainly because I think it's all life right? We, it, it's all one's life experience. You've got, I mean, back in the olden days of 2019, you know, you've got your, you've got, you wake up in the morning and you've got some people, it's a workout or it's breakfast, then uh, it's your commute, then you're at the office, then you've got your work and then you have your lunch break, whatever. Leave the office, head home and you see friends or you see your family, you put your kids to bed or you go for a drink and that's it. That's all life, right? And the reason why I kind of like labor it is because all of those things are connected. We never wanted to be an environment where we go, right, leave your personal life at the door, come in, be professional, and then you can go and have personal life again. We've had tears, we've had tantrums, we've had, you know, breakups that affect your work. We've had all different factors that affect your work. And the very fact that you think that those are distinct things is a complete misnomer. And that is the main issue, is that we think that you've got work-life balance and that's why you need to balance it. The balance only comes if you see it being two things that you have in your life. You don't just have two things. You're one person. So you have one thing. That's the one thing that you need to balance. So feeding yourself with what it is that you need and nourishing yourself with what it is that you need, that is through spirituality. It's through your food. It's through your passions. It's through your career. It's through your relationships, all of those things. And and, and that's why I really think that, that that is my big tip is stop thinking of it as two things. Think of it as one thing, which is yourself, which you need to feed, right? And you need to feed yourself with, with the things that make you feel good. You know, we've done quite a bit of work at Cult around managing 
anxiety and stress and increasing resilience. You know, one of the things that we did as part of our training was around using something which we call the stress container. And I'll go into it very, very briefly. So the stress container, if you imagine it, is this container that is filling up with all of the things that stress you out. So it might be deadlines. It might be the fact that you need to pick up dry cleaning. It might be the pandemic. It might be, um, you know, this, this sense of fear that you have around making you rent that month. All of those things are sitting in and accumulating together. And that's the one thing that's you, right? And you need to find ways in which you can release that. And it might be through reading a great book, going for a run, speaking to friends, um, actually moving deadlines out because that makes it easier for you. And I think applying that stress container methodology to how you manage your day and your week and your life is a really healthy way of actually admitting the things that are triggering for you or stressful for you, meaning that it frees your mind as, as and you know for Hannah and I as creatives you can't just crack ideas out like that without having a sense of peace and, and ability to do that so um it's a long answer to your question but I, I think it, it, it's definitely something which we we talk about a lot because it requires work in order to get good balance and admitting to yourself when you have bad days and Hannah referenced that you know like you know being afraid sometimes to admit that you're actually struggling and talking about it so that you know, we as a as a team and me as um, a friend and colleague can help with that. But also, you know, for myself, like I have anxiety and stress. I'm a, a mother. I had my child, you know, like my son is six now and I was late to start this podcast with you because it was bedtime and I was trying to get him to settle down to sleep. Um, and, you know, like that, that trying to balance those things is, is, is really hard. So, uh, and it has been particularly hard over the past you know, six plus months because I've been homeschooling whilst also running a business and trying to be fresh as a daisy with my ideas. So, you know, it is all one thing. And I think more so than ever before, the fact that a lot of people now are working from home means that, you know, those lines are blurred more so than ever before. So, you know, knowing yourself, being kind to yourself and actually making the time for you and to tick all of those different things that make you feel good and drive you forward is my number one tip. Perfectly holistic answer. I love that. And I wish more companies instilled that because, you know, sadly in the corporate world and not you guys as corporate world, but like normal corporate world is like, leave your problems at the door. Don't come and tell me if you have like a breakup, if somebody died, just come here, do your job. And then we don't care about the rest. So I feel like you make such an important point. Hannah, what about you? So yeah, I need to still get this like one life going in my brain because I, I just struggle to really switch off. I think it's just being a creative because your mind is always going. Like if you've got something that's really juicy, like you just want to like yeah. get going on it and do it all the time. And, and I think, I mean, working from home is difficult because I used to have a very long commute to the office. So I used to use that as my time to like either do like the extracurricular stuff that I do in the industry or anything um, or anything else like answering emails if I was like behind on emails and I feel like because I got into that routine over like six years of, of doing that of literally doing everything in the office from my from my day to day which when you're in the office you obviously have your pals there like you have all your social time and then getting on the train and like having a good hour and a half to like you know go through emails read my book or like do extra things I want to do and then getting into lockdown I found it very very difficult I'm sure Kat will tell you we had like daily meetings because I was having like a crisis about how to like switch from working at home 
to from like being in the office like even though it's best this is the best because it's I've never been at home so much in my whole entire life I don't think so it's been very nice to be at home but also it's it's been a struggle for me because I like to do lots of extra things and I also like to be on top of of everything and I've I use that train that train time as that time to do so so it was yeah it was difficult for me to switch off it still is difficult for me to switch off um I have to admit it but it's definitely helped you know like going for walks like I have meeting walks that I do at the moment so that's um that's really helpful but there is no I don't really I can't really give advice because I'm still getting used to getting used to it I feel like Kat is right it's not really a balance and I don't really find that it's difficult for me because I think I really enjoy my job and I would hope that everybody else would really enjoy their job that they don't see it as much as of one of those things like filling up that stress container um Mm -hmm. but I think it's about stopping your brain from whirring like Animal Crossing was my friend over lockdown like the first UK lockdown because it was like you know something where you literally were just doing like menial tasks every single day and it was just switched my brain like away from anything it's like a form of meditation weirdly Oh my god, Animal Crossing. That is such a fun game, but I agree with you. And you both make so amazing points. And it's so true, you know, the de- the ideal is loving your work and actually not minding, you know, maybe you got a late night email and you're like, okay, I can respond to this. Like, why not? It doesn't take that much time out of me. It doesn't take so much energy. It's fine. People will appreciate it. So you both make amazing points. So now I'm going to ask you a fun question. Not that any of these haven't been fun. What has been the best experience you've had so far working in your agency or in previous projects? Oh, Kat, do you want to go first? Well, I, I'm, I'm happy to go first um, and let you think, Hannah, on, on that question, because, uh, of course, her answer is going to be me. Uh, the best thing about working at Carl's me. Um, do you know what? I, I don't have one thing. I've got an, a number of moments. You know, like um, when people say, oh, my life flashed before my eyes, um, before they die. OK, so if I was to have like those moments that flash before my eyes, there's lots of like micro moments that was just so momentous, like the first meeting that we had in the Empire State Building with a client where I was so, super excited to have that opportunity or the first time that a campaign went live with Mark Jacobs, which was very exciting or experiences I've had, like going inside the Rolls-Royce factory to see how the cars are made. Like never, you'd never have that experience. <laughs> but we were able to see like from start to finish how that happened. The same thing with Barber, which is Barber is um, like a heritage, a British heritage brand that's been around for uh, such a long time but we went to go and see how the jackets were made you know like everything from how it was cut from the pattern all the way through to teacher so you know there's things like that which which are just experiences that no one else would have that is what I love the other things that I love are the fact that you know cult really it has been a baby for me you know before I had Leo my son you know, that was the thing that I poured all of my energy in. You know, you're creating something that is your own. And that is, you know, it comes with lots of pressure, but it's also lots of pleasure, which is, you know, being able to go, okay, so what kind of culture do we want to have? What do we want to be able to provide for our team? What kind of clients do we want? How do we want to do this? You know, all of those questions, I really enjoy that. You know, that's the variety, which I I really love and I, I thrive on. So, 
it's not one thing, but in, you know, it's lots of little micro moments that are just like these beautiful experiences. And I should say also one of the things that I find the most fulfilling is working with amazing people, you know, like bar none, the experiences I've had with great, awesome people where we're able to celebrate success together, or I can see their progress or, or see them fly for their own for the first time, because I'm like a proper mother hen. Um, you know, that those are like, super super fulfilling for me and you know I I, want to be able to look back and go yeah I was really proud of like the choices that I made for myself and for others because I think that you know I have a moral compass that guides how I I like make decisions and you know being compassionate is something which I think is so underrated um and you know I try so hard to to bring that through and and sometimes that can really clash with a business because you know businesses are not meant to be compassionate uh environments that's not what a thriving business looks like or is it like let's let's really change the dynamic and the change change the conversation around that because I think um that's really what I aspire to um and again like I said earlier, it's very much work in progress, but it's definitely something that is a kind of like guiding star for me. Oh my God, those sounds so cool. Like those, all of those experiences, like visiting the Rolls Royce um, factory. Wow, that's like a dream. I'm such a geek and cars are one of my favorite you know things. What, so. there, there's things like that, 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 yeah, just like super special. You know, even doing things like this with, you know, someone who I love and admire, Hannah, and we get to meet you, Sabrina, you know, these, these kinds of experiences are like just really fun. You know, why not? Let's just spend a, spend an e- it's, it's evening for us, but spend an evening talking with, with someone about our experiences, but in a way that we can hopefully help others. I, I dare I say inspire, but I don't, I wouldn't see myself as an inspiring person, but you know, like just, just being like honest, being really, really honest about experiences and saying, do you know what? It's Okay we fucked up, we made mistakes. There's definitely lots of learning that has come as part of that experience. But, but you know, like, that's life, right? You gotta make of it. Yeah, 100%. I love that view on life that you have. What about you, Hannah? What has been your favorite thing that's come from working in the advertising or even in cult? I was trying to think of what my absolute favorite thing is. But I think it is all of the adventures that you get to go on, like all of the time, like, um at Colt like I've got to go to the US which I'd only ever been to Florida before and I got to go to New York and I literally was like in the taxi like approaching Manhattan like weeping in the back like on my own because I was just so happy because I didn't think that I'd like be going to New York for such a long time and just like oh yeah I shot in Milk Studios in in New York which was like one of the one of the highlights I think for me I was kind of fangirling myself like the whole way there and, and I've just got to travel to such amazing places like I've been all around all around the country like to every beach I think that there is like in the UK I've been got to go to Indonesia and Malaysia for like a couple of months which was pretty dreamy so it's just advertising and being a creative just like takes you to the craziest places that you would never ever think that you go to before like even I remember like because I'm not from London. So I'd never like eaten in like cool restaurants or whatever. And I remember when I was a junior creative and we got taken to a really cool restaurant. I can't remember what it was now in Soho. But that for me was like, I remember thinking like, oh my God, I've like made it because it's just these things that you never in your whole life think that you're ever going to do. And like things that a lot of people take for granted, but like, I get giddy about the most annoying things. I'm sure people at Colt will say how annoying I am like on shoots because I just get so excited about every small thing. 
Yeah, it's it's literally the adventures, as Kat said, like working with such amazing people who you respect, you know, that respect you as well. It just makes it such like a an easy working environment where everything is like fun and an adventure. Like even if it's quite scary, it's still like I want to do it and smash it and it'll be great. So it's that's the best thing, I think, about it. The adventures. Oh, my God. I honestly have like from talking to you guys I have like a list of 10 more questions I would love to ask you (laughs) but I will stop myself and ask you two more before we go into the rapid fire fun questions just because otherwise we'd spend three hours talking about it and I'm not entirely sure who would like to listen to a three-hour podcast (laughs) because I'm not Joe Rogan but you know I'll just have you guys come back at another time and we'll cover a different aspect so let's talk a little bit about the future what do you feel like you want to accomplish still down the road Yeah, because I did actually think about this one, because this was the one that I was like, oh, I don't know, like, what that is. But there's so much that I want to do that it's really hard. (laughs) Like, like, Kat will tell you that I'm, like, overly ambitious and and want to do everything and raise my hand to do everything. So it's, I just, like, want to work on more sort of dream brands. Like, um, I remember my first brief at Colt was MAC Makeup, and that was, like, mind-blowing for me, because obviously like wanting to work on beauty and um and like skincare and fashion for so long having MAC cosmetics as your first sort of insight into that was was the dream so um yes working on more sort of dream brands going on more adventures like when lockdown's over because I was starting to really enjoy (laughs) enjoy doing that and meeting sort of loads of people and having that sort of ever-changing work day I think is what I do miss about being in the office about like how every day is different like I remember my first week Kat was like hey Hannah you're right to go to New York like in two days for this meeting and I was like yeah sure why not (laughs) so it's just you know this like ever-changing work day which I I do miss and I and I want to go on on more adventures with everyone and and work on more amazing brands that we we love and and buy every day like and have in our makeup bags I think that's the the best thing that's an amazing goal okay Kat now you're on the spot yeah I will I will do my best to um provide those opportunities for you wherever possible Hannah um and I think we're all living for like 2021 and a little bit more freedom than we've had this year um do you know what? I think it's a really, it's a good question. You know, we were never, we were never people who set out with like a five-year plan. Most people, when they start a business, they're like, okay, here's the business plan. We didn't have that. Sabrina, I'll be honest, like we fly by the seat of our pants a lot with what we're doing. And part of that I love because every day is different. It's incredibly an organic journey. And that I think means that um, I was going to do a really awful analogy. I won't do it, but it kind of means that when, like, when you have catastrophic situations, because you're so woefully underprepared for it, you actually deal with it better because you haven't over-catastrophized the situation. You're able to just go with the flow. And so, when you know this year happened, okay, no one was prepared for that, but we've all, we've also been able to, you know, what Bridie would say is like uh, create a pirate ship. We've all got on the ship and we've navigated the waters rather than doing it in a big clunky way. So. Looking forward, I definitely think that the industry that we work in is fundamentally changed forever, means that 
I can't tell you exactly what it will be like, but I think it will be very different from the old style uh, that we have referenced previously, where you've got big board boardrooms, corporate, white dominated, male dominated advertising industry. Everything has been shook up. And now we're, we're like holding up a mirror to what has been really bad about it. And, you know, this year and the things that have happened this year from Black Lives Matter through to a US election through to a pandemic have really shaken things up and made us all ask these questions that we wouldn't have been asking as rapidly. I also would say that technology had, has advanced rapidly this year. So all of these technologies that were like knocking around, you know, like AR and VR, for example, or um, the fact that we can now buy anything and we receive it in a few hours, all of that has now fast forwarded. So over like that six month period, we've essentially fast forwarded six years. So technology is now really at the forefront. So I'm excited to look at doing more projects where we are using all of those insights and our creative creativity to apply to how technology can work, yes, for our clients, but also to help people more. And we did a project a couple of years ago um, that was not for a client. It was called Mindscape. And it used uh, voice technology, so Google Home and Alexa, um, to help people when they were having a panic attack. And it was... Um, born out of insights that when you're having a panic attack or you're feeling anxious that talking to someone is the best thing to do and so we created this using existing technology completely free for people to use but it was technology for human good and I believe in that so much so I would love 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 to do more projects like that all the time all day every day um and yes you know definitely continue to to do the things that Hannah mentioned so looking at you know, making sure that we are enjoying what we do, that's really important. So if I can, uh, you know, continue to focus on, on, on you know, learning from our, our mistakes and building something that is a bit better, that's definitely would be very fulfilling for me. And you can probably hear right next to my mic, my cat is lying here purring away. She's living her best life. So if I could oh be a cat God. in my next life, I'm also very happy with that. <laughs> claim it, claim it. Okay, last question before we go into the quick rapid fire questions. So this one's like the main one for the show. It stems off of like the pretty sure aspect of it. So I'm pretty sure you've had an experience where you feel like maybe you're the only one to live it or you feel like you're alone or it's something that nobody else has lived through. Could have been a thought, maybe a fear. What is it and what would you tell other people that might be feeling this? So we'll start, Kat, since you just went, what is that? Yeah. Rina, you did it at the beginning of this podcast when you said, I always had this dream, but I haven't done it yet. It's that. That is the thing. And it's not unique to me. It's unique to anyone who actually follows through on the things that they want to do. Oh, no. Oh, it's okay. There's a furball coming. (laughs) There's a furball coming. All right, Noah. Um, She's quite an old cat, so she's struggling with it. Oh, oh dear. <laughs> definitely, I would say follow through with that thing that you want to do. Scratch that itch. Definitely, you know, if you, if, if you have that appetite for it, try it. It might not work out. But, you know, like sometimes that not working out is the thing that leads to the next opportunity. And I should say everything in my career has been accidental, an opportunity that I wasn't expecting. It's a furball, right? You've got to get it out. So definitely, it's definitely that. So, so as I said earlier, the uh, podcast agency is officially launched. Sabrina, you just have to think about what you're calling it. Oh and God. thank you very much. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> Mic drop. <laughs> I'm nervous now. Okay, Hannah. 
I I struggled with this one, but I think it's that moment, like as a creative, where you look at a brief and you're like, oh my God, I'm never going to come up with a good idea for this. I'm rubbish. My career is over. I'm the shittest person ever in this room. Nobody is going to believe anything that I say. And then literally like you leave your desk, you come back five minutes later and you're like writing a million ideas, like, and then all of them are fine. So I would just say like, if you do find yourself sitting there like at 4am and you don't think that you're ever going to come up with a good idea ever again then that is definitely not the case and everything will be fine and nobody is gonna die that's (laughs) that's my my advice I'm gonna make that into a quote everything is going to be fine you're not going to die I love that (laughs) okay rapid fire question time are you guys ready yes okay ready my mom's Favorite, favorite question. What person, dead or alive, would you like to have dinner with, if possible? Oh, my God. This is so weird, but I'm going to, I'm not even a real person. Is that allowed? Yeah, of course. Whoever. Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones. (laughs) (laughs) Don't know why. First person that popped into my head. Imagine, look, I think it's because I just love an adventure. Look at all of his adventures that he's going on. Love it. Very on brand for you. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) I didn't, I didn't know this, this adventure side of you, Hannah. Like, this is definitely a new thing that I'm learning, this, this, this love of, of adventure. Um, I would say Vivian Westwood. She is such an icon. She is everything that I aspire to be um, in life and in everything. She, not only is she, <laughs> you know, like at the forefront of the rebel rebel movement she's an amazing fashion designer she has a toy boy husband she is still here um she still is serving looks like you can imagine um like everything about her i just think oozes um like radicalness that's not even a word but like i i, just, I really i love that attitude and that's that's something i really am inspired by so i would love to meet her and her plus me and hannah you, Indiana Jones, and whoever you choose to be amazing. You have so. <laughs> yes. 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 Oh my god. That amazing. sounds like a that sounds like a seventies party if we're being actually honest right now. <laughs> Playboy Mansion party. Okay. So would you rather live on the beach or in a cabin in the woods? Cabin in the woods. Oh my gosh, a cabin on the beach near some woods. All of the above. (laughs) That's cheating, but okay, we'll take it. (laughs) We'll take it. Okay, would you rather travel the world for a year, but on a shoestring budget, or stay in only one country, but live in full luxury for a year? Shoestring budget. Shoestring, yeah. I'm I'm with that all day long. Okay. What are your favorite brands? What is your favorite fashion brand? that That could be next year. Okay, we'll do that, Kat. <laughs> you can totally do that. Favorite I mean, digital brand. nomads. Yeah, yeah, no, I, 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 would, I would love to do that. I definitely, luxury is, is not as important as experience. Um, favorite fashion brand, that's a really hard one. I think that it varies depending on all loads of different factors. I don't think I could say one fashion brand. I find a lot of fashion brands a bit you know, self-indulgent and kind of like perpetuating things that I don't love. Um, so, so again, it comes back to to liking liking brands that are actually making a difference and using their power. Like I love what Burberry have done this week with Mark Rashford, mm. 
I don't know how much you know about it, but here in the UK, going into lockdown, I promise I will be brief, Sabrina, because I know I can chat a lot. But here in the UK, going into lockdown means that a lot of kids are not having access to school meals. Um, And so that is something which I, I think like a fashion brand that is actually getting behind a footballer who is talking out about giving children basic basic needs. I like I love that. So I think fashion brands that have a conscious and are actually following through is that does it for me. So any brand that does that is good in my book. <laughs> Same. Okay. I definitely I definitely echo that as well. I couldn't couldn't answer any better. Okay, magazines or books, which ones do you prefer? Oh, so tough. Is yours books, Kat? Yeah, books, books, all of the books. I would have to say magazines. What is your favourite movie? Magazines. Ooh. Oh, okay. Favourite movie. Oh, I, I've got lots of favourite movies. I love the film Amelie, but then I also love really like witchy things like The Craft. And then my favourite film to watch with Leo is Nightmare Before Christmas, which is essentially the best film ever made. So <laughs> that is the best film. I have too many favourite films, for sure. I just, because it's like near the holidays, I always just think of The Grinch because The Grinch is my favourite holiday film and I watch it definitely about five times a year. So probably The Grinch is my, my happy place film. Love The Grinch. Okay, my last question to you both. Who's your biggest inspiration? Kat, obviously. Oh, you're sweet, Hannah. No, I, that's definitely not her answer. You could give a proper answer for it. I, do you know what? I think I don't think there's one person that is an inspiration. I think that I find I wish that I could give you a quick answer on this, Sabrina. <laughs> I don't think it, I, I really don't think it's one person that I would find inspiring. I think there's lots of movements that I find inspiring that are, are actually making a difference. If I was to say one person now that actually ties into that, it's probably Greta Thunberg. I think that girl has done such amazing, phenomenal, life-changing, generation-changing work. Like, gosh, she's a she's an absolute inspiration. So maybe I can after all. <laughs> we love Greta. Love her. I was going to give a long answer and I was just going to give a long answer and say it it's multiple it is multiple people but I think it's because I just love to be inspired by such random things and by people who are not necessarily meant to be like stereotypically inspirational like if that makes sense so I just love I don't know I just love finding it in in such weird places which is why I don't think I could pin it on on one single person. Like when I think of person, like even though it's meant to be quick fire, it was still like a million things like running through my head. So I can't I can't pick one one person. I would actually pick Vivian Westwood. Like I've looked up to her for a lot of my my youth. I did, and I think I own way too many things of hers. But um, yeah, just all of the above. Everybody, you, you and Kat. Oh, I know. So sweet. Thank you. Okay, guys, our time is up. This has lasted a long time, but I've loved the conversation and we didn't even cover half the questions that I wanted to ask you guys after like speaking with you. So don't be surprised if they come back on at some point to talk about even more things. Maybe we'll do like an agency themed one and you can tell us all about the intricacies of working at an advertising agency and all of that. But for now, that is all the time we have. I have 
thoroughly enjoyed our conversation, really. Both of you are an inspiration. I'm so excited to be part of the FGen program that starts tomorrow. Not entirely sure when this is going to air, but whenever you listen to it, go check it out. Go check them out. Go check Cult London. Give them a follow. It's going to be in the description. Sign up for the mentor. We, we always want more mentors. So definitely, yes. definitely maybe in the show notes, you can add how people can sign up to become a mentor. We, we'd love to have you. Yes, 100%. And speaking about that, I'm definitely going to be doing an episode on how the whole experience is. So double the opportunity to promote it. So just saying, putting it out there. But honestly, thank you so much, Kat. Thank you so much, Hannah. You've been amazing. And I'm definitely sure this is going to inspire so many people out there, young, adult, whoever it is to just, like you said, follow your dreams and go for it. So thank you again so, so much. Find all the links in the description. If you want to go follow them, uh, go on Instagram and look for Cult London. And if you want to go follow us at Pretty Sure Podcast, and I will see you next week, everybody. Thanks again, guys.